Good morning, church. My name's Jimmy Sportsman. But the rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated, as Mark Twain said. It's good to be back home. If you've got your Bibles, please open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Wow. <laughs> we enjoyed some great rest. Um, I got some great work done for the upcoming months of the messages that I think the Lord's going to be sharing through me with you. Uh, and as I said it before I left, my cup was really dry, bone dry in a lot of ways. But I can honestly say now that by God's grace it runneth over. So thank you uh, for your prayers. Thank you for um, the time that the elders gave me to be away uh, in such a connected period. Never have done that before ever in my ministry but I'm not sure I had ever been at a place that I was in my ministry before I left here. The weather in Ruidoso helped immensely. Wow, in July, um, lows in the upper 50s, highs in the low 80s, just amazing. Uh, being in the mountains helped. I love, love, love the mountains. It just does something in my soul to hear the wind in the pines uh, and the smell of those same pines after a summer monsoon. But... Just being still before God was the most help. Not having a class to prepare for, not having another sermon in a few days, just to speak and to be spoken to by the Father of all fathers. Amazing. We hiked, we fished for trout, we ate green chili cheese enchiladas, we read, we napped, we ate great huevos rancheros. We enjoyed campfires and golf and ate green chili cheeseburgers. We shopped and played cards and ate chili rellenos. Are you hearing a common theme here? The sportsmen have a saying, vacation is food, and food is vacation, and most of the time it's Mexican, and we dove into all of it. The first week I worked on my messages um, that are going to be delivered, I hope, sometime in October. Our elders have asked me to prepare a certain series of messages on stewardship. I'm calling it Money Talks. And again, I hope those are going to be delivered this coming October. I don't see why they won't. The second week just took off. Gil and I just ran around the mountains and did stuff and didn't do stuff and went over to Cloudcroft and some of the things I've already mentioned. The third week I spent getting ready for a series that I'm calling Peace Talks. It's a series of lessons in response to an ever-growing anxiety that I sense our country is just drowning in. Have you noticed it? We're killing each other for no motive other than it seems that we just want to. Not just in nightclubs and bars, but in Walmarts and in churches. We are a people on edge. And the truth is, too many of us don't just face anxious moments. Our days are filled with it. Well, God's got some great news. And there is hope that you can change and change that, listen to me, soon. There may not have been a cure for cancer found yet, but listen to me. Paul says there is a cure for anxiety. There is. Come back next week and bring a friend that needs to hear that. They can win the war over worry. Again, don't take my word for it. We'll take God's. Now, the draft for that lesson has been ready for almost three weeks now. As the bulletin says, I was scheduled to launch it today, but the more that I attempted to put the final touches on that lesson, the more that I think the Spirit was saying, that's not the message I want you to share this week. There are some truths that I learned on my vacation and study break that I'm sensing a leading to share, so I'm going to do that just after we pray. 
Let's bow. Father in heaven, it's always a risk for me. It's always a little vulnerable for me to speak about what you're doing in me and think that translates into what you want to do in our church. But I sense you're leading to do that, and I pray if that's so, um, you continue to empower me through your spirit to do so. And if not, then I'd, I'd be willing to just cut this off and we can go back to singing some more songs. You know I mean that. But we do want to hear from you. We're not the only ones. Father, we, along with Calvary Temple, um, are trying to be the disciples you've called us to be. And some days, Father, we just really, we really don't want to be. But most days, we're trying. And um, Satan's making sure that we feel ill-equipped to ever be worthy to be called your disciple. You're the one who makes us that through the power of the blood of Christ and through the power of your Holy Spirit. But with these other disciples from First Baptist and Calvary T Temple and Impact and so many other faith families in our community, we're, we're trying to hang on to one another and grow in Christ together. Would you help us do that? Would you please speak through Dale Way as he preaches there today as I hope that you will speak through me. Speak to us, Spirit, and do what only you can do to revive hearts, to encourage hearts, and maybe today even to rescue a heart. For we ask us in Jesus' name and everybody said. How many of you in the first week you made it back to school had a teacher say, well, what'd you do over your summer vacation? Tell me about what you did. on Some of our classes actually had us write down. Anybody here had, them, had to write down what you did over summer vacation? Well, I got to tell you, for the most part, in the sportsman household, I had plenty to write. Plenty to write. We had a family of eight, and so Six Flags and Disney World was out. We just didn't have the money or, to be able to go to places like that and, and eat out like that. But minimally, we went to my grandparents on my dad's side, who in the apartment complex that they lived in, they had this tremendous pool that we just spent all day in. I mean, you know, get the, got the little prune thing going on with your fingers and toes when you're done. And my grandfather loved the barbecue, and so what a great summer week away to just swim all day and eat barbecue when you got out that night. My mom's parents, granny and granddad, they had a little five-acre place in Bridge City, Texas, and we would drive over there and ride some horses and shoot each other with BB guns and build forts and eat the best chocolate pie I'd ever put in my mouth. Great days, high times in the summers with either of those sets of grandparents. And you know what? I'm going to say this. As a kid, I needed that. I did. I needed time away from our chores of mowing grass and filling the dishwasher and keeping our rooms clean. And so for a few days, and sometimes up to a week, my mom's parents and my dad's parents would welcome us to come and let them carry the lion's share of the load of responsibility. Something that all of us would like to, to, to let go of for short periods of time. Gail and I did the same for our kids. For the most part, that meant getting in our 23-foot silver streak and pulling it to the National Forest or taking it to the lake at Truth or Consequences or down to the beach in Puerto Penasco, Mexico. Like some of you, your kids' favorite memories of their time in your home were spent on vacation, playing with you, eating with you, uh, things that you never did or or tempted when you were at home. Now I can tell you when my mom and dad did that for us, it wasn't because of the encouragement of God. Um, for most of my growing up, there really wasn't a lot of God in our house. But I do want to say on behalf of God, He encourages you to do that. To take some time away. 
to let go of some responsibilities for a while and just enjoy as much as possible the blessings that he has poured into our lives. Because sometimes our lives can get just a little loud. What do I mean by that? One Sunday when Carlene was still alive, we had made plans to go over to the lake house for lunch because uh, we love catfish. But we all couldn't go together, which we normally did. Sometimes I even drove her in her car so that I could spend some extra time with her. But she went ahead because we were having a baptism that particular Sunday. And she, the lake house gets kind of full pretty quick because there are a lot of church folk that love to eat catfish on Sunday. And so she buzzed over there, and we came over about 20 minutes later and noticed that she had gotten a great parking spot right up front. And we didn't said as much when we sat down. And, hey, it looks like you got a great parking spot. She said, yeah, but you wouldn't believe what happened when I got here. She said, I was parking the car, and the, right next to me another car had pulled in, and somehow or another they tripped their alarm, and it was just going on and on and on. She said, I couldn't get out of the car fast enough, almost made me deaf. So we got through with lunch, and um, we were getting ready to go out to the car, and she started looking for her car keys, and she couldn't find them. Uh, Gail looked for her car keys, couldn't find them. So we figured she probably dropped them out in the parking lot somewhere. So sure enough, we made a, a beeline for the parking lot, and they weren't outside the car. They were in the ignition in the car. Uh, and most of you are probably thinking, well, that's terrible because they were probably locked in. No, the car was still running. And so since there wasn't any weight in the seat, her Cadillac is designed to not lock the car when you try to do that with the keys running while it's in it. So um, we had a good laugh over that. And I thought about it this week sitting up on the mountain, that sometimes our lives are a lot like that. They just get a little bit loud that we forget to shut it down. Even in the summer. Club soccer, club basketball, tennis camps, summer jobs, summer school. It may be called summer break, but for many of Americans, we take no break at all. Maybe that's why God made such a big deal. When in the Ten Commandments, he said, I'm going to order you to take a break. Have you ever noticed that of the ten declarations that were literally carved in stone, there is one that gets more print than all the others? Which do you think it might be? Murder, adultery, stealing? <laughs> You'd think so, because certainly each one of those deserves ample coverage. But what I find interesting is that those commands are incredibly brief. God uses five English words to condemn adultery. Four to denounce thievery and murder. But when it comes to the topic of rest, when it comes to the topic of taking a break from everyday life, one sentence wouldn't cut it. Hear what he had to say. I want you to always remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to your Lord, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor even a foreigner that's residing in your towns. Why? Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but even he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Now somebody says, but Jimmy, we're not under the old covenant anymore. No, we're not. We don't have to obey that anymore, do we? No, we don't have to in order to be right with God. 
That's under the law. And we're no longer made right by keeping the law with God. Jesus does that. Whenever we trust in what he did at the cross, that's how we're made right now. But if you want the full life that God wants you to live, Sabbath isn't optional. Maybe not on a particular day, but Sabbath isn't optional. Taking a break isn't optional. Resting isn't optional. Recreating isn't optional. But who's going to run the store? What about my grades? I've got quotas to meet. I've got a scholarship to work for. And we offer reason after reason why we shouldn't rest. But God silences all of those with one pointed reminder. In six days, listen to me, I made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. And then I rested on the seventh day. I rested on the seventh day. And I think his message is plain. If creation didn't crash when he rested, it won't crash when you do, my friend. I know you think you're accomplishing more by doing more all the time. But the truth is, sometimes we accomplish more by doing less. At least some of the time. God invites us. God encourages us. Actually, he commands us. Please make this a priority. And he does so for more than just one day. And I love this. He went ahead and wrote into the law not just a day, a week. But he said, I want you a couple of weeks out of the year to just take it off. People wonder where do vacations originate? In the Word of God. Two in particular, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Booths, or sometimes known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Those were absolute favorites of both adults and kids because they meant taking off and, and camp chairs and s'mores and hikes and family barbecues and music. Because you see, God insisted, insisted, ordered, put it in the law. I want you to enjoy what you've worked so hard to earn and to store up. Which leads me to the first point that I want you to walk away with today, and that is we need time away. We need time away. Now, if you believe that, I'd like for you to repeat something with me, if you will. It's not up on the screen, so just listen to me. Here we go. It is not my job to run the world. One more time. It is not my job to run the world. Now, here's what you really want to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is not your job. To run the world. But remember we started with you. Okay? Be nice. <laughs> it is God's job. And he does it so well. Amen? We need time away. Because number two. Here's the second thing. I want you to walk. We're not running the world. But we act like it. I do. We act like it all hinges on us. For our team to do well, for the school to do well, for the church to do well, for the family to do well, for your kids, your parents, for the company. How are we going to make it without you, we think they're all saying. <laughs> Some of them are saying, please leave. Some of you may have been saying that about me. But they can't manage without me. Oh, yes, they can. When I left on July 1st, things were an absolute mess at my house. Remember the windstorm that we had? That hundred-plus-year-old tree is in our backyard. It's the only tree we have. It's huge, huge. The root ball there is six feet tall. Blew down. It was a mess. Worse, Chelsea just lost her dad. Risa Weber taking a nosedive with her health. A preacher buddy of mine had his wife leave him with her three kids, and he didn't know where they were for nearly a month. Found that out the five minutes after I finished my last sermon here and was headed towards Rodosa. My dad was doing awful with his cancer. While I was away, Linda Lakes dies. Jerry Thornton dies. Donna gets some discouraging reports with her cancer markers. 
Ronnie's lung cancer returns. <laughs> and the hot water heater goes out in our house with Brittany staying there. My dad is life flighted to Baylor Hospital when his response to his very first chemo treatment took his blood pressure to 60 over 40. He spent seven days in ICU. He experienced a stroke that greatly affected his speech and most likely he will never recover from. All of that while I was leaving or while I was there. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but some of those things, they just swamped me. And not discouraged me, but, but, but with thoughts of, I've got to be there. They need me in there for this. But God, largely through my wife, said, no, they don't. No, they don't. You need to be right where you are and just rest. So I parked myself at this view almost daily. It was about, and the Lord did this because we found this cabin online. And um, we have places to stay in Ruidosa because I preached there for 21 years. But that's usually for about two days, not a month. <laughs> and so we rented a cabin. And right behind us, just so happens, there was this view for us to walk up to. No homes, just on the top of a ridge. It just had, they'd cut a road in there just for Jimmy Sportsman. And that was waiting for me every single day. And I took advantage of it most days. And on that ridge top, I heard God whisper, Jimmy, you are not running the world. I am. Look what I do every second of the day. Look out over all of this and see what I do without any input or influence from you at all. I can handle what's back home, what's back in Dallas. And not just sparingly, but lavishly. Unbelievably. And you know what? You did. <laughs> I don't know why it's so small. Maybe there's, it's because it's just a huge truth and it doesn't need to be long and, and long-winded. But Psalms 46 and verse 10 is such a powerful verse for those of us who feel like we've got to be there for everything and for everybody. Be still and know that I'm God. And for some reason, that it's hard to remember that until you just get still. Sometimes the motion of moving and going and handling just, it drives that thought right out of our minds. But, but when God finally gets you still, sometimes it's easier for me to understand that it really is Him who's running the world. And it was so freeing for me, and it was so filling for me to have that truth just wash over me and sink in. And you know what? As I said earlier, life went on just fine without me. Great messages were preached here from this pulpit. John McCord, didn't he do a phenomenal job? Craig Leonard, didn't he do a phenomenal job? Mick Besorg, Bob Griggs, they all just did super. But those two especially. Our staff, our elders were able to step into some of those relational situations and love on people and to help carry people through some difficult times in a way that was better than even I could have done. And my brother Robbie, God bless Robbie. You don't know Robbie because you've never met him. Probably, unless you're on my staff, have heard me say much about him at all because he's been estranged from our family for a long, long time. That's a story in and of itself, and I don't have time to share it this morning, but at a family meeting just before I left to go to Ruidoso, we were discussing how we were going to get Dad from Frisco down to downtown Dallas and still keep our jobs. Me being down in, now in Ruidoso, was I going to have to give up a week of my time away to come up and do that? And I was, I was looking at having to do that. We were having this Skype meeting, and my brother Robbie was included in that. And there was a part of me that says, well, why? He's not going to help. No one had to ask. He volunteered, and he said, listen, I'm unemployed right now. This is on me. I'll be there for the entire month Jimmy's gone. He's been super unbelievable. 
He's driven my dad down to his appointments. He's cooked meals for all of the families that are there. Um, he has taken dad to errands, whatever he needed. Robbie's been there for. It's just been amazing. And it's not just helped us. It's changed him. The purpose he's had now. And, and the hero status he's achieved among his brothers and sisters. It's just been amazing to see what God has done. Amazing. God is so faithful. He's so powerful. He's so large and in charge. And that's why he's running this world, not us. I was reminded not just because of that incredible view, but also by this incredible psalm that I have in my journal. We are filled with the good things of your house, O Lord. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, you are the hope of all the ends of the earth, of the farthest seas. You formed the mountains by your power. You've armed yourself with strength. You've stilled the rowing seas. You've, you're the roaring of their waves. The turmoil of the nations you take care of. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and you water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide people with grain. All of that was being poured out into my heart as I'm looking over this incredible, incredible view. And God reminded me, uh, I need you on my team. But Jimmy, you're not the team. Which takes me to the third takeaway and final one. You're a needed part of his team. You're a needed part of his team. I know nothing about the two men, one in El Paso and one in Ohio, who decided to get a probably a semi-automatic rifle and to walk into places where people were and just start shooting them. I don't know anything about their histories except for this one thing. I know they were convinced they don't matter. I know they were convinced that they aren't needed. The father of lies, I'm sure, is helping them believe that, or at least helped them believe that. There's a lot of things that I cannot do about that, but there is something that I can do to try to prevent it happening here. And we're going to do that this morning. You ready? We can make sure that our personal home team members know that they matter. And so right now, where you sit, I want you to turn to that person next to you. It's probably from your family. If not, I know they're part of the Lord's family. But I want you to say to them, I want you to know you matter to me. Right now, everyone. Now, if you are family in the sense of blood family, and you're going to go home with them and you're going to eat enchiladas with them later this afternoon, here's your homework. This can only go so far. I want you to find them, put their hands in your hands, and, or face in your hands, some way, somehow, that you get their full attention. You say, I need you on the home team. Okay? Will you do that for me? Not like this if you don't mind doing that. One thing today. And if you're having trouble saying that, I do counseling on Tuesday. All right? <laughs> we can make a difference with this. We can. We can help each other know we matter. Now, that's true of our family, first and foremost. You start there before you try to help anybody outside your family. First uh, Timothy 5 and verse 18 says, If you don't love your family, take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. How can you be worse than an enemy? How can you be worse with, with someone that, that you don't want around you because of whatever? But God says that. You don't love your own family first. You don't let them know that they matter first. You're worse than an unbeliever. So you do that at home. Take care of the home team first. But then realize this. We need you on God's team. On behalf of the eldership here, we want, to, we want to make this clear. For every single person here, we need you. You're not optional. You're just not. 
Now, don't take my word for it. Hear God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 says this. Now, you are the body of Christ. Anybody here who said yes to Jesus Christ, who's been immersed in his name and is filled with the Holy Spirit, you're a part of the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of that. And you matter. Now, if you don't believe that I'm, uh, that's just not my influence or my making this up or whatever I'm trying to do, go home and read 1 Corinthians 12. For some reason, there are a group of people at 1 Corinthians, a church that Paul has launched and started, who just didn't realize they're significant. They're needed. And so he takes a, a chunk of his time and a chunk of Scripture to say, listen, I don't care whether you're the little finger, I don't care whether you're the big toe or the navel or the hair or the nose, whatever, you are needed. No matter what you think about your part in the body compared to somebody else's, you're needed. And he says, even if someone says you're not, don't listen. Don't listen to them. Sometimes parts of the body say that to other parts of the body. You're not needed around here. Don't listen. You are needed. We need to be saying this at home. We need to be living it at home. But we also need to be saying it here to one another and living it here. And I got to see it happen yesterday in such an incredible way. We gather together to say, yay, God. What you did in Jerry Thornton's life to transform him from the cranky, angry dude he was into the missionary, school-starting, wife-loving man that he was. Amazing. And we gathered together to say that because Jerry left us. And I had a part in that, and, and uh, Ricky had a part in that, and Ray had a part of that in a, in a vocal way, in a public way. And we, we, I believe we spoke truth about that. We sang truth about that. But you know what happened? As soon as we were done, we loved on people with that truth. You should have seen the folks who were preparing and did prepare to serve them meals and, and to pick up their plates and to wash dishes and, and to fill their tea glasses. Most people talk about and, and maybe think about those of us who stand up in places like this being significant in the church. Oh, I'm telling you. What took place in that little room over here where the walls divided mattered. And you go, yeah, 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 right, sure. That's what you preachers are supposed to say. No, I'm telling you the truth. One time I'm at Oak Hills Church and we're having some testimony time. And I've heard a lot of testimonies. And I mean, some of them just are stunning, shocking. One of them that didn't involve drugs, didn't involve prostitution, didn't involve embezzling, anything. You go, oh, that was a heinous crime or sin. One of them involved the guy simply saying, you know what? When I gave my life to Christ was after I watched a group of Christians love on another family with potluck after a funeral. He said, I, it just hit me one day. They didn't have to do that. It wasn't even for a member of their church, but they loved on them anyway with food. And, and they were so gracious and so loving. And I said, I want to be a part of a family that does that. That's one of the most stunning testimonies I've ever heard because I didn't know people cared about that that much. But they do. Right now, there are people who are listening to this message, and if it's making any difference at all, it's because there's some folks up there who are handling the mics here, and they're handling the slides here, and they're recording this message, because there's some folks who are right now serving us in children's church who would like to hear maybe what was preached here today, and they can do that because of some unseen faces up there that rarely ever, ever get noticed, except when there's a mistake. You guys are awesome. Amen? And they rarely ever are seen or thanked. It's because they know that they're a needed part of the body of Christ. 
But every now and then it's nice to get thanked. So when you notice somebody doing something in a quiet way, you, you pull them and you say, thank you for doing that. My sister is going to be able to listen to this message because of them. She rides her Peloton bike or whatever they call that bike. You know, it's kind of a fancy dude thing. And, and she listens to her brother preach. There's a, a vet from Afghanistan who's going to get to listen to this message because he said, I listen to your sermons every, every single Sunday. They're, those are the only two people in the world who ever listen to my sermons, but I just wanted to mention them to you, all right? <laughs> but they do every week. But it's the vet that I want to tell you about. Satan just gets me in a corner sometimes, and he just works me over that this right here, what I'm doing, just doesn't matter. just doesn't. It's just one more Christian speech. It's just one more 30-minute slot filled with some holy words. It doesn't matter much. And that Afghanistan vet, he put in my face while I was in Rodosa and had him come up to me and say, love your sermons, but you need to know something. You helped save my life. I said, really? How, how? I've never heard of anybody saying that sermons saved their life. He said, I did a couple of tours over in Vietnam, I mean Afghanistan. And um, there were just some moments in the midst of the fray that what you said to me helped me make it through. And he said, then there were some moments when I was quiet and alone and nobody else was around. And I didn't want to live anymore. That helped me make it through. And listen to me. It wasn't in a sermon. It wasn't in a book that I wrote. It wasn't after I received my Oscar in the movie part that I starred in. I'm making that part up. It wasn't in any of those things that most of us see as significant. It was one sentence delivered at my house in Rodos. The smallest of things matter when you don't know that they matter. So let me say on behalf of God one more time. You are needed on your home team and on his team. And, and I spent some time this week just going back over the fact that Peter, James, and John, and Mary, and Martha, they were not thoroughbreds, they were swaybacks. Before Jesus came along, the disciples were loading trucks and coaching soccer and selling slurpy drinks at a convenience store. Their collars were blue, their hands were callous. There's no evidence that Jesus chose them because they were smarter or because they were nicer than the guy next door. But the one thing, the one thing that set them apart from so many people was their willingness to say yes when he said, would you be on my team? So I'm going to ask you, will you be on Jesus' team? I know you think that you're more paddle boat than cruise ship. I know you think that you're more stand-in than movie star. I know you think that you're more plumber than executive, more blue jeans than blue, blue blood. Well, congratulations. God's story tells me he uses folks just like you. And if you don't believe that, maybe you need a vacation. Now, I checked, that's just Coca-Cola in that glass, all right? <laughs> I mean this sincerely, though. Maybe, just maybe, you need a break. You need some time away. I want you to remember God encourages that. I want to be a testimony about how much of a difference that can make in, in a person's life because it's made it in mine. You need to be still and know that there's a God. You need to know that He's running the world and not you. You need to be reminded that you matter, and He will do that Sometimes the only way he can do that is when you stop moving long enough to listen. Now, if you're convinced you don't need a vacation, here's where I want to leave this. Maybe there's someone God's put you around who does. Would you send them on one? I'm not talking about a cruise, all right? I'm talking maybe a couple of days at a motel to be able to swim in a pool and eat some meals that they don't have to cook. Or maybe you just let them use your RV or your tent or your second or maybe your third home because you can look and see that maybe this family or this couple or this single person needs a break, needs some time away. The Lord put that on my heart to ask you this morning because you see, when Gail and I were going through our divorce, we were in the final stages. All we had to do was sign the papers. A couple from another church, Grace Harvest Church, 
came to me and said, we would like to give you a timeshare in Florida. Just so happened to be five minutes from the grounds of Disney World. Okay. We, we wanted to go to Disney World, but we didn't have the money to be able to do that. And I was doing taxidermy then at the time, and so I said, okay. Um, I had a customer just so happened to be in the Florida area that I had done a mount for, and I needed to deliver that to him. And I was going to air freight, and I thought, we'll just take it out there. And we did. You know what? It didn't save my marriage at the moment, but it did leave hope in my heart. God could. Because I'm telling you, it was a vacation that was a gift from God. You would have never known that there was any problems in our marriage or our family that entire week we were there. Because someone gave us time away. Could you? So what did you do with your summer vacation? How are you going to answer that? I hope you get some thought and some prayer to how either you answer it for yourself or someone who's close to you. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thanking you for work, thanking you for employment, thanking you for ways in which we can earn money to provide homes for our families and pay bills and clothes and school. But thank you that when you wired us, you wired us to rest just like you did. That part of being created in your image was some downtime. We take that for granted, especially in this country. And so I'm asking today, would you please help us to, to think about this truth and to reflect on it and pray about it for ourselves. And if not for ourselves, and you've given us the means to be able to help someone else to have something we really don't need for the moment, would you help us take that next step to bless someone so that you can bless them? Thank you so very much for all that you do in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said.